Um, I'm I'm Vicky. I'm a compulsive overeater. Grateful for recovery. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous April of 1996, and I just celebrated 25 years of abstinence and recovery. Um, I was I came in at 250 pounds, and now I'm right at two, 125, so I'm half the woman I used to be. <laughs> um, but the weight loss isn't the miracle of my recovery to me. Uh, to me, it's that, um, you know, I was obese, miserable, suicidal. I had a plan to kill myself when I came in, and I just don't live like that anymore. I think I think God, God did a pretty dang good job when he made me. You know, I'm a little a little off center and weird, but that's okay with me. <laughs> anyway, um, growing up bad as the pits. <laughs> um, I wasn't fat though, until I was about uh, nine or 10. And several things happened about then. One is that, um, you know, I was abused any way a kid could be abused between my mother and my grandfather. And so that happened. And about the same time, um, my third grade teacher lined us all up to weigh us, you know, and the kid in front of me weighed 100 pounds. And the teacher said, you weigh 100 pounds. So, and I thought that was acceptance and, you know, so I made it my goal to weigh 100 pounds. And I told everybody in my life, my mother, my grandparents, everybody, that I was going to eat a whole lot so I could weigh 100 pounds. And, and nobody ever told me that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> um, but I know I ate and I would get on this. My, my mother, my, I didn't have a scale at my house, but my grandmother had one. So every time I went to grandma's house, I'd get on the scale. And I remember the day I weighed 100 pounds and my life didn't change. The only thing that changed was that the next day I weighed 101 pounds. But um, the interesting thing for me is, you know, I'm a good girl. You know, go to church every Sunday, follow all the rules. I think compulsive overeating is a good girl's disease because I don't drink, smoke, do sex, do drugs, do alcohol, none of that stuff. Uh, but nobody said anything about food. You can go to church every Sunday and show up and sing in the choir and be obese, and nobody says anything. But uh, I think God gave me compulsive overeating as a 10-year-old so that I wouldn't shatter into a thousand pieces. You know, it was, I think, without something to get me through, I wouldn't have made it to be an adult. And the miracle is that he... He gave me compulsive eating to get me through my childhood. But then as an adult, he gave me the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous so that I could even be better than I would have been without it. So I'm a very gratefully recovering, abstaining, maintaining compulsive eater. You know, I think my life is better because of being a compulsive overeater. But, um, you know, but, you know, like I said, growing up bad is the pitch. I was the kid that everybody made fun of because um, when I was growing up, being a redhead meant you were teased. So I was this fat redhead 
And my mother kept my hair in really a really tight perm. So I had super, super curly hair and nobody would talk to me. You know, nobody. I was, and if anybody talked, if anybody talked to me, they were teased along with me. So I was alone most of the time. I was teased most of the time. I was called names. And my mother, um, my mother was telling me things like, uh, you're the kind of person who can't ever be loved and you can't do anything right. And so this is what I grew up with is all these ideas that I couldn't measure up. I'm not good enough and I'll never measure up and nobody will ever like me. And so these are the old, you know, the, the, um, how it works talks about uh, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely. These are the old ideas I have to let go of that I don't amount to anything, that I'm stupid, that nobody can love me. And this has been hard. And it, it's sort of like the, the analogy, I, I, I kind of get this, if you plant a tree and in the wind, and the wind blows it crooked, um, that tree, when it gets to be an adult tree, is always going to be crooked. There's no straightening it out. And I was a little tree planting and planted in the wind. And I think that little crook in me is always going to be there. But that crooked tree has the, the apples to on it taste the same as the apples on any other tree. So I it can be, and in fact, if you're crooked, people can pick the apples on the low end easier. So maybe even a, a better service, a better apple tree than I would have. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Sitting on the couch. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. Um, But, it, you know, it was hard. But, uh, and then when I was um, between 11th and 12th grade in high school, I kind of got this um, anorexic thing, I guess, because I quit eating and I lost weight. And I, I was fat when I left 11th grade and skinny when I started 12th grade. And it was like nobody noticed. I was still the fat kid, kid that everybody teased. It was, you know, people's, people's perceptions of me didn't change just because I lost weight. But then I graduated and I started college and I met my sweetheart and um, he never knew me fat. <laughs> and uh, we got married and uh, he liked his skinny wife. He really did. But um, I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. And I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. And I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. And I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. And I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. And I got pregnant and gained weight and didn't lose it all. <laughs> Six beautiful kids. Um, but uh, at the end of it, you know, I was, I was a obese woman. And my husband would say loving things like, if you love me, you'd lose weight. Well, I did love him. And I would try to lose weight, but as soon as I got angry with him, I'd eat at him. So I couldn't lose weight for him to save my life. Um, yeah, and it was just, I, I would look at my life. Six great kids. I mean, God gave me the best kids on the planet. They're straight A kids. Never got, I never got in trouble, not even a little bit. Uh, my husband um, had a good job. We had a nice home. You know, anything I wanted reasonably, I had. I had a great life and I would look at my life and I would think I ought to be happy. And I wasn't. 
I was miserable. I would cry. I'd, I'd go back and forth between crying and screaming. And I just didn't know why I couldn't be happy when everything was fine. Um, and so I had a plan to kill myself because I figured my husband and my kids deserved better than me. And so, and I didn't want him to know I was killing myself. So I had a plan. We lived in Alaska at the time. And I picked out a road with a curve with a tree. And I was waiting for a, an icy day. And I was going to drive my car into that tree and make it look like an accident. And I think that God looked at me and said, you know, I've got a, I've got a better idea than that one. Um, and so he tricked me into OA. I had gone to college, to nursing school, because I thought that if I got my college degree, I would feel better about myself. So I was in my senior year of college and uh, was assigned, they, they assigned nursing students to go to self-help groups. I was assigned Overeaters Anonymous, and I was ticked off. <laughs> I was so upset. Um, but and, and, and backing up a little, you know, this that fat little kid, I was, you know, I, you know, my religious tradition says that whatever you ask in faith, you'll receive, you know. So I would get on my knees every night and I would ask the God of my understanding to please make me skinny and please make me happy. And I just kept getting fatter and fatter and fatter and more and more and more miserable. And I figured that either God didn't like me or for some reason in his great purpose, he watered me fat. And so, you know, and I tried dieting and, and at first I could stick to it for a month or two. And then I could stick to it for a week or two. And, you know, at the, at the time I went to my first OA meeting, I couldn't even stick to a diet for a day. And, but, um, but I had still been praying, God made me skinny. I figured if I could pray it hard enough, I'd wake up one day and be skinny, I guess. Um, but I went to this meeting and I was sitting there and I heard the 12 steps for the first time. And it was like God was talking inside my head. I could, I could hear a literal voice in my brain that said, this is what you've been praying for your whole life. And being the uh, defiant perfectionist that I am, <laughs> You know, I think God works with what he, can, what he can. I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to do it perfect so that when it does not work, and it won't, it will be your fault. <laughs> you know, so, And I have to preface this is that no one in that meeting, that first meeting I went to was abstinent. Nobody. All the ladies there were obese. And they were all saying things like it worked for a while, but then it stopped working. But I told God I would do this deal. And so I went up to one of the more friendly looking ones. And I said, well, how about, how do I do this? And she said, well, uh, I guess first you need a sponsor. And I said, will you do that? <laughs> and she, and, she, and Jody later told me that she didn't want to, but she you know, didn't want to say no. So she said she would. And then she figured that she would just be really, really hard on me so that I would run screaming and I wouldn't do it. And I would, then I would leave her alone. And so, but she didn't deal with my defiant perfectionism. And so she, she gave me this uh, weighed and measured strict plan of eating and said, you will do this. And I said, okay, <laughs> you looked awful, but okay. Because I told God I would. 
And she said, and go read this and write on this and call me at 7 a.m. And I said, okay. And so I did not call her at 6.59 or 7.01. I called her at 7. And I white knuckled my way through that first day. And, and then I white knuckled my way through the second day and white knuckled my way through the third. It took, you know, I think that compulsive eating, being hungry, and then just the awfulness of going off the sugar. I felt like crap for about two weeks. It was, it was, that was my withdrawal. And then I started feeling better. <laughs> but then I've heard that in recovery and working the steps, we do start feeling better. We feel anger better, and we feel fear better, and we feel you know, <laughs> and guilt better. And I have to be willing to feel all these things. And the steps help me with that. But before I can learn to feel happiness and joy and peace and serenity, but I have to be willing to get through the unpleasantness. But anyway, I started feeling better physically. And, um, and so I just decided, and still in my second meeting, I was the person with the longest abstinence. And, you know, and, and, and it got scary after a while. I didn't know if I was doing something wrong or what, or if it quit working for them, when's it going to stop working for me? But I told God I would do it and I was doing it and it was working so far. And, um, so I just said, okay, when it stops working, I'll stop doing it. But one day at a time for the last 25 years, it's been working. And I've still got that deal with God that when it stops working, I'm going to stop doing it. <laughs> but, you know, my part of my story is you can go to a meeting where there's no abstinence and you can just the only thing that's required of my recovery is for me to be willing to do the work. And, uh, and, and that's it. And just be willing to, you know. And, um, but I started working the steps and, um, and it, it, no, I didn't notice the changes. Um, my husband started noticing the changes and he got angry, which, which really, I didn't understand because he would say, well, you're not doing it for me. (laughs) Well, I'm doing it, you know, but he was angry because I wasn't losing weight for him. And then he didn't like it that I was changing. And uh, because when you start working the steps, you just start changing a little bit. One of, the, one of my changes was that I started getting mouthy. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to say what I thought anymore. And it wasn't that I was getting angry. I was just expressing opinions. And it, I had never, I was afraid. I thought that I had to figure out what you thought and then say what you thought. Or you would kick me off the planet. I had to figure, I had to be what you thought I should be. And so I stopped doing that. And Terry thought I was more unhappy when actually I was getting happier and happier. <laughs> but he told me, my sweet husband said, either you quit away or I will divorce you. And this was about six months in. And so I went to my room and I cried. And I was going, um, marriage. OA, marriage, OA. And it took me a few minutes, but I realized that's that's not the question. It's marriage, God. And I have to put God in front of everything else. I have to put God in front of marriage, God in front of kids, God in front of work, God in front of everything. I have to put my recovery there. 
um, or I don't have any of the other stuff. So I didn't say anything to him. I just kept going. I just started kept going to my meetings, you know. And and then the funny thing is that a few years later, uh, my, my sweetheart said, "You know, I've been married to two different women in my life, and they've both been you." <laughs> and I said, oh, "Okay." And he says, "I think I finally fell in love with the second one." <laughs> and um, but you know, like we we just celebrated our forty seventh wedding anniversary, and I don't think that would have been possible without program. Um, but you know, I'm I'm working the program and working the steps, and my life just keeps getting better and better and better. And one of the now one of the things that my um, sponsor told me to do was to look in the mirror and say, tell myself that I love myself, which I thought was going to be an easy assignment, but it was dang hard. Um, but I think, like I said, learning to look in the mirror and seeing this really weird person that God put together, and I am not a normal person, <laughs> I'm a normal, I'm just so strange, uh, but I like me now. Um, and I've learned about, um, you know, one of the first things that Jody told me, my sponsor, one of the first things she said, and it was just a throwaway phrase. And she said, uh, the food is the last thing to go. And I thought about that for a second. And I said, uh, I don't want to know the last thing to go. I want to know the first thing to go. Wait, which kind of what I think was a new idea to her because she sputtered a bit. But the first thing that goes is my is my step work, my spiritual life, my connection with God, my prayer life. That's the first thing to go. And you know, I've seen a lot of things about um, the the steps to a relapse, but I think it's working the steps backwards. I, first, I stop practicing the principles, and I stop sharing my recovery, and then I. Then I stopped doing step 11. I stopped doing my prayer and meditation. And then I stopped doing my 10 steps. I start do, stopped doing my... So that is my steps to recovery is I just unstep. I just, you know, go back down the steps instead of up them. But uh, the, first th the first thing to go is my spiritual life. Um, something else that, that was a gift from God early in my recovery Um. My grandson was born about two weeks after I came into program, my, my first grandson. And Jody was going on vacation. And, and so, and I was going to this little, little teeny town in um, very rural Utah. And I wasn't going to have any transportation. And I wasn't able to reach my sponsor. <clears throat> and I wasn't able to get to meetings. And and so I'm like, I'm like white knuckling my way um, through these two weeks and staying, staying on my plan of eating, but it was hard. It was awful. And getting ready to go home just before, you know, my, my grandson was going to have a blessing in church and then everyone was coming to my daughter's house and she asked me to, to make a cheesecake. And I, I, I do pretty, I was a pretty good baker. So I was making this thing and when it was. Oh, thank you. When it was all over with, um, there was one piece left. And I looked at it and I wanted it so bad. And I told my I told my daughter, I said, 
don't do anything. Don't clean up. I'll be back. And I went outside and I had it out with God. I said, it's not fair. It is not fair that they can have this stuff and I can't. And God said, Vicki, I never told you you can't eat it. I will never tell you that you cannot eat anything. You can, you can eat anything you want, but I will never protect you from the consequences of your actions. So if you want the consequences of getting back into the disease, go ahead and eat the cheesecake. But if you want the consequences of your recovery so far, you know, whatever you want the consequence to be, take that action. And then he said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I guess I won't eat it. <laughs> but that's been so good for me because I never say I can't eat that. I say I'm choosing to not eat it because I want to choose recovery. Um, and I'm just, I'm just really grateful to be able to choose recovery today and to have this body that will do anything I want it to and to have a life that I enjoy living. And so um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and talk to everybody. And I'm sorry for all the problems. I do Zoom all the 